Welcome to Supply Circles, stories from the innovators, disruptors and improvers in supply chain management today, brought to you by AI Group. I'm James Scotland. In this podcast, I ask supply chain professionals and thought leaders, how can we in Australia create supply chains that are resilient and sustainable at a time when we're also implementing the challenges of the 3Ds? You know them, digitalization, decarbonization, and disruptions. And disruptions come in many forms. Today, we've got a big, big issue to talk about ambiguity. It's the key that is underlying issues, that is the underlying issue of all of the Ds. My guest is Karen Fuster, a business owner and operator, and an expert in the difficult challenge of managing and prospering during times of ambiguity. Here's the story. In episode one, I asked Dr. Steve Meek, what had caused global supply chains to go so drastically off kilter during the COVID era and in the time since? And amongst his other answers, he pointed out that the traditional approach to supply chain management of a laser focus of efficiency and repeatable structures had been replaced by a risk management approach and an environment of change and uncertainty at both ends of the supply chains. Suppliers suddenly could not get the supplies they needed to supply their buyers, or they saw opportunities to pivot away from existing supply chains. Likewise, our markets keep changing and are increasingly demanding and unpredictable. And whilst all that is happening, our long-term goals of just-in-time and other fundamental supply chain processes have changed and we can't do anything about it and they just keep changing. There is a lot of chaos in the change that's going on around us. So we're now operating in a time of uncertainty, of constant change, of an unclear operating environment. In other words, it's ambiguous, which brings in ambiguity expert Karen Fuster, the CEO of Change 2020 and a person who has studied and taught the issue extensively. Karen is one of Australia's leaders in understanding and thriving in during volatile, uncertain, ambiguous times. She's the founder and director of two businesses, both of which are focused on helping organisations to change, to transform and to adapt during these times. She has over 20 years experience of working with some of the world's leading organisations. I just love chatting with her and hearing her presentations. She always brings insightful learning. She's got entertaining stories and a heap of research-backed data. It's not just stories, it's research as well. Uh, so it's great to have you on the show, Karen. Welcome. Thank you so much. And thanks for that intro. It was great. Yeah, I liked it. It was good. <laughs> it's been too long between drinks. It's really been too long between drinks. Uh, what with COVID and everything, I think it's been three years or so since we sat down, had a coffee and an in-person chat. That's just terrible. We'll have to fix that soon. Sounds like a great plan. Yeah. Hey, when Stephen explained uh, the change of supply chains from certainty to uncertainty, I, I just knew you and I had to have a chat about mm. this. You know all about in, ambiguous environments. Tell me. <laughs> Does the fact that you understand ambiguity mean that you're just as confused as the rest of us, but you've managed the way you had to make money out of it? Or is there actually <laughs> structure? Is there actually a way to approach it? How did you get to this point? Yeah, no, look, they're all that. That's a wonderful big question. Uh, so, how do I get to this point? I guess that my background is I have worked in a more traditional area of change management for, as you said, you know, 20 odd years. And it would be five or so years ago when we started to notice that 
the, the approaches we were using just weren't sticking. It wasn't making the impact. And in particular, we were seeing leaders who just were not coping with change. But it became pretty apparent it's not actually change because as humans, we're pretty good at change. We've been doing it forever and we can adapt. But that's if we know what's happening, if that's if we feel like we've got some degree of control. And what we're noticing with our clients was that it was a pace and the complexity of the change. So that's what was taking over. That was what was creating that sense of overwhelm and confusion. And, and you said about chaos before. It, it just was all too much for people. So we decided that we wanted to find out a little bit more about it, uh, which is what we did. And we started to um, undertake a, a research project with uh, QT, Queensland University of Technology, their business school. And the question we asked them to help us understand was, why is it that some people seem to um, do quite well and even thrive during ambiguity and uncertainty, whereas others get really stuck and they can't move forward? And so they undertook a global um, research project, which was fascinating um, and it was it was quite extraordinary working with academics um, and understanding about how they think and how they operate. And basically, they they unearthed some, some areas as to why some people are more tolerant uh, than others. And there's some consistent traits that um, that those particular people have, and that they use in the workplace. And so that's kind of what got got us to this place. And you know, the, we were in this space well before the world turned upside down with COVID. Um, but most certainly, hasn't that absolutely uh, thrown uh, thrown us into a chaotic way of having to operate? And so it was good because we had a little bit of research in the background to help um, ourselves, definitely, and our clients through as well. Let's come back to those consistent traits. But going sort of back to the big picture, what's the difference between uh, change uh, and ambiguity? When I when I did a change management role, we set about saying, "Here's why you have to change, and here's what we're going to change to." I, I gather from what you just said then that that's not what ambiguity is. Uh, yeah, absolutely, it's not what ambiguity is, and and we can cope with that. This is what you need to change and this is what we're going to change too. And we can almost draw a linear plan in terms of that. But ambiguity is its unfamiliar, it's unplanned, it's uncertain, and it comes in from left field. So, you know, the market changes, the, um, uh, the general economic system that we're operating in starts to change. I mean, obviously COVID was a massive no one saw that coming. No one knew how to respond to that, but we had to find a way. So ambiguity is not within our control. We don't know what the end state is, but we do know we still need to move forward. Whereas change is more of a here we are at point A, we need to get to point B, and we're going to map some plans and ideas and initiatives to get us there. So understanding that ambiguity is outside of our control in the first instance is, is key. When people try and control it, that's actually where they also become unstuck because, you know, we're unhappy if we can't control things, but we're so often in that position where we are unable to control the environment, which is ambiguity. We've almost been, we've almost been trained to believe that there's light at the end of the tunnel. That you, you know, you go down this tunnel, uh, and and you can see the light coming and you head towards, and it's all positive. There's this sort of a positive approach to a structure that we've got in our head. Uh, but you're saying, I guess, forget, you won't necessarily see the light <laughs> at the end of the tunnel. Just start operating where you are right now. Is that is that is that the key? It's actually a good way to put it. And look, I always hope, James, that we have got light at the end of the tunnel. Like that, that positive way of thinking that 
if I, if I choose to stay stuck here today, then it's the light doesn't get me closer, does it? I have to move towards whatever that is. Now, it may not be shining as brightly as we would like it to be, and often it's not. But the idea of saying I'm going to wait until that tunnel light becomes really clear, that's problematic. They're the people who are really feeling, you know, their well-being is being negatively impacted you know, they're unable to perform the same way because they're waiting. And uh, and I'm, I'm sure you and your listeners, um, you know, would have heard many people say, if not themselves, in the early stages of COVID, which was, I'm just going to wait till I've got a bit more information. I'm just going to wait until I understand uh, what's happening, you know, either with the border closure or vaccinations or whatever it might have been. I'm just going to wait. And the thing is that we are moving at such a fast pace that the waiting is part of the problem. Because we don't often get the clarity. All we do is we are then another day behind or another week behind. But the the demand can keep progressing hasn't hasn't gone away. It hasn't negated. So that's that's a, you know it's a quandary for people because we we're kind of trained. Our brains want to keep us safe and keep us still. But the light's not going to become any clearer from standing still um, in all the chaos and the ambiguity. Uh, uh, Andy, a, a mate of mine who's a senior. Uh, supply chain uh, manager for, for a very large supply chain. He reminds us that when we went into COVID, we didn't know how long it might last, but we'd just been through the bushfires, which had lasted a few months. So we're kind of expecting COVID to last another few months and then we'd move on to whatever the next crisis was. But then after a little while, you start saying, like you said, um, gonna have to do something here. And it reminds me of that, another analogy uh, of, you know, a ship is safe in the harbour, but it's not meant to be in the harbour. That's not what it's designed to be. It's designed to go out there and 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 and, and cross the storms. Um, it's probably a good analogy about understanding ambiguity. Just get out there and start facing what happens with the faith that you can do this. You mentioned before that there were some some traits. Are some people better able to handle ambiguity? Some people do handle change better than others, in my experience. What oh, about without doubt. Yeah, and sorry for stepping over, but and yes, with ambiguity, uh, most certainly. So those who automatically have that mindset around, uh, like a curious mindset. So I wonder what, I wonder why, I wonder how, uh, as opposed to those who've got a more conventional or conservative mindset um, or, or a fixed mindset. Um, certainly those who are, are able to, to go and seek their own information, who want to go and find out what's going on. Those even, the, our research even indicated those who have a strong preference for extroversion because they're around other people, listening to other people, gathering data and insights from other people, they also tend to. But those who have got that openness, um, that curiosity, those who are able to also um, connect, so pattern thinkers uh, are really quite agile in their way of saying, well, this, this pattern is no longer making sense to me, so how do I bring in different points of information? And, and a part of that seeking different points of information comes from diversity. So organisations, teams, individuals who naturally gravitate towards uh, seeking diverse viewpoints um, and, and they quite enjoy, you know, the, uh, you know, a rigorous debate. Those type of people will tend to be more open to the idea of, okay, this is different to what I thought it would be. So how do I now navigate a way forward? So that that type of mindset. So, but also I have to say, those who can be quite mindful, those who can settle the noise around them, and I say noise, you know, quite literally. So the can be noise, but the noise in their head, the noise of the people saying, uh, "We should do this, we should do that," and all of that type of 
action that sort of really makes our head busy and can be very confusing and overwhelming. Um, also, those who have a tendency to look after the, themselves and their well-being, so they're good at, you know, they're getting their sleep, they're looking after their diet, so their brains are actually more attuned to being able to say, okay, this is a little bit different and I've got a bit of space now to think about how do I, how, how do I navigate or how do I understand the circumstance because it's all unfamiliar to me. So they're able to, you know, more readily, not so much control, but simmer down some of the uh, traditional emotional responses, which are often fear-driven, and they're in a position where they can say, all right, well, I need to understand a little bit more about what the facts are here or I need to focus in on these two areas and find a way to move forward. So certainly some people um, adapt to uh, change and therefore ambiguity more readily than others. But our, our research, which I have to say I was staggered with, indicated that in terms of uh, the assessment tool that has been developed based on the research, that it's really only a, a little over 10% of people who have got a clear or very clear tolerance for ambiguity in the workplace, um, with the vast majority of people, like on a, on a continuum of very mild to very clear, uh, with the vast majority of people sitting in the mild space. Um, and that's just because we crave certainty. Uh, we are much happier little people when uh, when 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 we've got that level of um, comfort that the world's not going to turn upside down on us. Yeah, I think that's that's true, isn't it? I mean, the, the, the fact that none of us really are particularly comfortable with change. We, we're used to change. I'm, there's been times when when I've had to leave jobs that I didn't necessarily want to leave, and and I'd be struggle with it. And then I say to myself, "You're supposed to be a change matter. Why are you struggling with this change?" Yeah. So it, it, it's a matter of being aware, awareness, I guess. It's 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 a tough thing, and I don't think you're painting a. I think you're painting clearly a picture that is difficult for us all to to come to terms with. But it can be handled if we understand the the rules. Uh, look, it seems to me, uh, Karen, that supply chain in particular is going to face ongoing ambiguity. We've got confusing geopolitics, which makes it hard to source things. We've got shipping and container challenges. We've got inflation seeming to really be bouncing in. Decarbonisation, global disruptions with pandemics, industry disruptions. This is going to go on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, for you know, supply chain managers like repeatable processes and like ultra efficiency. Where do we start when we're talking to our staff and and they're struggling with this? What's the starting point? Is it what you just said then about being aware, or is it a more basic than that? Do you know what it, it's? It, I guess that so many people want you know with our clients and and the conversations we had is. How, how do I make this better? How do I minimize yeah, right. this? Give me the silver. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it, there is um, happily, this is not, you know, trying to put a man on the moon. This is actually about our behaviors. This is something that we can adapt to. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's in most of our areas and most of our, our capacity to do something about this. So, first and foremost, it is about accept where we are. You, we've all heard that term, you know, control of controllables. And one of those areas of controlling the controllables is how do I respond? So I can get really frustrated and cranky and I can, um, you know, get overwhelmed by it or I can go, all right, this feels really, really uncomfortable. I'm going to take a few deep breaths and just get myself, you know, in a position where I can at least hear a bit more and I'm a bit more curious and I'm going to listen a little bit more closely as opposed to, already have uh, preconceived ideas of what's happening. But in terms of, you know, from a leader perspective, I think there's, there's such power in providing clarity over certainty. So as I said earlier, our brains, we want certainty. We're better when we have it, but we don't have it. 
So what can you be clear about? So supply um, chain industry, and and I have to say any industry, generally speaking, what are we absolutely clear about at this particular point? Where is the clarity that you can provide for your people in terms of for some people, it can be as short as, you know, a week or two or three weeks out, or some might be able to say, look, I'm pretty clear that this is what the structure will look like in a month, whatever it might be. But having the mindset over, I want to give people some clarity rather than the certainty because then they've got that sense of, okay, I can take a step forward because I don't have to worry about some of the other things I'm uncertain about because I'm clear about my role, what I'm doing, why I'm doing it, who I'm doing it for, where I've got to escalate if I've got a problem. So it's that type of thing. And the other thing I would absolutely, I mean, there's many, many things, but the other thing I would say is absolutely act, decide, do something. The uh, the, the tendency um, it, it, when we don't have all the information is to say, I, I can't make that decision because I don't have all the data or the insights. I think we just have to get used to, James, in fact, I don't think we're ever going to have all the data or the insights to make a decision again. I'm working with an organisation that is um, uh, going through both a, a well, a significant merger um, in a fairly volatile industry and the CEO said the other day to the exec team, we need to get comfortable making a decision when we've got between 50 to 60% of the data. Now, that's a staggering thing for mm, a CEO mm, to say. Mm. But the purpose of saying that was to, is that if we keep waiting, we do know, we, 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 um, uh, our relevance is at risk because we can't just keep waiting. So building that confidence to say, all right, I'm going to make a decision. But, of course, if it's the wrong decision or you get some more data saying, no, we've got to do it a bit differently, then be prepared to respond. We've got to act differently again. It's that whole concept of, you know, fail, fail fast, no, try again. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There's truth to that. Uh, I, I, I like your idea about understanding where we are right now and then trying to make a decision on what's going around you. Um, a while ago, I did a, a postgrad course on leadership. And as part of that, we looked at a number of movies on leaders. Mm. Um, and one of them was Mel Gibson's movie, Once Were Warriors, where he was in the, how, how Higdon, I think, no, how someone, um, my apologies, in the Vietnam War and they're surrounded on all sides and they're like two days into a battle where it's all just kind of custard uh, and, and he's in charge and everyone's saying, what do we do next? And he had to just stop. He, I think he sort of physically stood up and like just looked around and thought, I don't know what to do. I have to figure out all I've got is right now. How do I make that decision? And then he made a decision and, and that's that same thing you're talking about. It, the worst place to be in for the last couple of years in, 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 in some ways has been in supply chain, just trying to keep the whole country running. And there mm. must have been times when many people listening have thought, I'm getting overwhelmed. So this idea about just stop and just take stock of, don't think about what it's supposed to be like, think about what it is like. Mm. Am I summarising uh, you correctly? Oh, so well. And, and I think that we have to move away from perfection. So many more leaders uh, who we work with are perfectionists than um, that they care to admit. And they, you know, that even if you just think about, well, how did I get to the top of the tree if I'm a CEO or I'm a chair on a board? You got there from making good decisions in a timely manner, you know, being available, um, being, you know, the face of the organisation, solving complex problems, et cetera, things like that. And that that gives you a degree of comfort. I'll keep on, if I replay that again, then I'll continue to move forward in my career. Yes, we need to keep replaying that, but we need to do it in compressed time because we haven't got the time or any of the um, capacity really to to make sure that we can 
had all the data. Um, we just have to find a way to keep moving forward. So I think that um, that knowing that we can still be successful in this situation and find a way to progress forward and look after ourselves and our well-being is just key to success these days. I, I think it's, you know, being adaptable um, to ambiguity is is critical for leaders moving forward. Yeah, open your eyes. It's, a, it's an ambiguous environment we live in now, so manage that. Don't manage what you want to manage, what you hope to manage. Uh, I want to talk about leadership. After the break, let's come, talk, come back and talk about leadership in ambiguous uh, environments. If you have supply chain or business improvement challenges, contact AI Group's Business Improvement and Growth Hub. The Big Hub is a library of practical and relevant resources designed to assist member businesses to grow and improve. The Big Hub also includes an extensive network of experienced pre-qualified business improvement consultants. For more details, contact big at aigroup.com.au. That's big at aigroup.com.au. One of the things that uh, I really respect about you and like that you do is that you often speak at executive MBAs and MBA um, forums to help the, the, the new leaders to coming through to understand about ambiguity. What are they seeing? I know you did one recently. Uh, what, what are they fearing or what are they concerned about as they head into the workforce? And, and what's your message to them about the, the, the modern world? I guess that what do they fear? It's the same thing uh, that they fear that somebody who's been in the workforce, you know, who might be uh, towards the end of their tenure, which is, you know, how do I perform? How do I make a difference? How do I ensure that I'm having the impact that I want to have? How do I remain relevant? And I think that it's um, ideally, uh, I mean, certainly if you're doing your MBA, it doesn't mean you're um, entering the workforce, you may have been there for quite some time. But, you know, for people to be comfortable around you, the fact that... You might that, be moving into a new level, though, that's all. I guess what yeah. I'm going across here. Yeah, most, most certainly. So understanding that um, being right is is not necessarily, you know, that, that's not the, uh, the ticket to play anymore. Being adaptable is. Um, being curious is. Being prepared to say, let's stop and try and do this differently. And having the courage to say, you know what, I really thought that was right and we're, and we're just not there. We're not going to do it that way. Um, being flexible with your thinking, it really inviting good debate um, from from all all places. You know that they're the type of things that certainly knowledge and, and experience. I mean, we're, ne- we're not doing away with that, but it's the behaviours around the um, application of that that really makes a difference. So, you know, I, I think that the fear associated with change is something that we'll always have, and, and it's exacerbated obviously with ambiguity, um, but. I do believe that the, you know, the the new black is uh, being able to adapt to that ambiguity and that uncertainty, and find a way to perform, and really importantly, look after your well being throughout that process. There's two big issues I think in in particular parts of supply chain. One is the dispersed uh, the dispersed workplace where working from home uh, traditionally you'd have a whole bunch of people uh, working together trying to get better and better processes and systems in place, and now we're going to have a much more dispersed workforce. That seems to me like it's an ambiguous situation in itself. Uh, I, uh, what, what's your thoughts? 
Yeah, look, it's a really interesting one, and um, you know, I could I could talk to you forever about this one. I mean, it's it's our clients everywhere, obviously, are grappling with this. I believe, and I have believed for a long period of time, that um, the hybrid way of work is here to stay. I don't, I can't foresee other than roles that do require hands on. That we're going back, you know, five days a week to the more traditional way. We know that we need to be able to access um, skills from you know globally, and we can do that if we've got a mindset around a remote working environment. You know, what we definitely did see is that um, that people's trust was really challenged during that the early stages about if I can't see you, do I know you're actually doing the work? And, and so it does create uncertainty. It's a new way for me to lead. You know, I, I used to be able to say, Here, here's what we need to do. Let's all come together. Let's solve this problem and then let's implement it. Critically, again, leaders have to find a way how they collaborate using this modern way of working because, as I said, I I honestly don't think it's going to go away. Collaboration is something we all know and understand, but we have to go, well, what's the intentional effort around that? We can't just make the assumption that if we're all um, together we can solve the problem. The fact is that we've been solving problems globally for years, decades. We've been doing it. It's just that now this has become a norm. So it's changed what we've always known. This is really, you know, it's transformed the way of work and transformation's hard. So how do we get people to say this is this is the new way we're doing things or this is the norm or whatever the terminology is that you want to put in place there? And certainly I think that the leaders who are saying this is what it is, you know, you look at Atlassian who can make the call really early on that they were going to have a work from anywhere uh, model. Um, there's other organisations that, well, if you look at Elon Musk who said the total opposite, um, you know, there's different ways of looking at this. It is uncertain, it is unclear and it is confusing. However, it is our way of work. We got through largely COVID. I know it hasn't gone away, but look how rapidly we adapted. Like we're better at this stuff than what we think we are. Yeah, and aided by technology, by the way. I mean, thank goodness we're having whilst that technology. I saw it just off to the side a little bit, and, and you might just ignore it, but I, I saw this yeah. uh, wonderful explanation. Oh, first off, I saw a meme that said, um, you know, my boss says that I'm just at home, home pretending to work. What the hell did you think I was doing when I was at work? <laughs> I was just pretending, you know. It's, it's, there's no difference, really. Um, and but it's just a meme. One of the things I saw was this uh, or heard was this: uh, if you go out of your office and see someone who's not really on top of their job, you can sit down beside them and say, "Hey, what are you working on? What's happening? Tell me all about it." And you can do coaching. Whereas if you ring someone up or hit them up on their on their teams and say, show me what you're working on, it sounds like scrutiny rather than coaching. You can't make it as soft as you can by just wandering over with a cup of coffee in your hand and saying, hey, what's what's going on? You, you, you're, a, you're a leader. You, you, you have to work with people. How do you manage that kind of situation? Look, I think that's a fair assessment of um, that it is more challenging. Humans, 100%, we are so much better when we connect we like being together, regardless whether you're an introvert or extrovert, we are better when we come together and connect. What it doesn't mean, though, is that we always have to come together to connect and be effective. So very few, well, not very few, that's probably unreasonable, a lot of people have still got, um, you know, that hybrid model. So it's not every day that you're working remotely. But for those organisations that are, you know, 
you are right. It's not as easy to sort of come over with a, a you know cup of tea and have a chat, but we have to be more intentional. So I think that you know nearly every organisation we were working with, certainly in the beginning of COVID, was you know Friday drinks from four, let's all jump online, bring your glass of wine, have a chat, or you know coffees from ten on Tuesday, come together. And whilst it felt a bit clunky, a bit awkward, and a bit like oh gosh, I don't I don't know uh, about this we did again find a way. So having an open mind, people who are saying it's too hard, it's too difficult, people who are typically sceptical or cynical about things, you know what, they are going to continue to find it hard. But my guess is that they found it hard in the workplace, in the more traditional workplace, because it's an uncomfortable thing to have to go out of your comfort zone and go and check in on someone for, you know, for quite a few people. So we've got to be more intentional. We absolutely take full advantage of the amazing technology we've got. Thank God we, you know, we had Teams and Zoom and all that type of thing happening and the breakout rooms to make um, conversations still work. So you know, the, the, the tech prowess sort of led, led the way and we adapted and, and fell in line. So we can do it. It doesn't feel the same, but we can absolutely do it. In many parts of, of what you would call supply chain, there's this cyber physical aspect where we're working with computers or AI or whatever to to, to pack, pick and pack or, or process whatever, but there are still the people attached. It sounds like what you're saying is that if you're going to be successful in the future, manage the ambiguity part of the people and the environment um, and the processes is a different situation altogether. It sounds like this could be a game changer. If you understand ambiguity, you're ahead of the pack. I, I, I totally agree with you and, and you are right. The, the best um, AI, you know, the, the jury is still out a bit in that space because the problem is us people. You know, we, we still get around it and we're still part of it and we've got the emotion. Ambiguity, generally speaking, uh, you know, we, the, the, the problem is that it creates a fear or a resistance um, and, you know, you spoke in the beginning about resilience and we have to build up a resilience to this degree of uncertainty and how do I bounce forward rather than bouncing back. The the AI, and again, thank God for that, that's going to continue with the pick and pack and, and be, you know, it's going to improve and improve. But the people are still here. So we can't just solely rely on having um, efficient processes and systems and structures because ultimately, and that, that quote, I'm mean, not quite sorry, the stat that I must be a dozen years old now, um, I'm going to attribute it to McKinsey, but it could be Deloitte, but it's like, you know, 70% of major projects fail. And any research you do about it will tell you it's about the people. So we didn't have a clear vision. We didn't have clear leadership. We didn't have the communications. We didn't have clarity of roles. And guess what? All of that's about people. So we can't do away with us, which is kind of important. Um, but you are right, it is a game changer. If you can be the leader that says, I want to get a handle on this ambiguity so that the systems can take care of themselves, but the people are still part of the, uh, you know, the process and the project moving forward. We could talk for days. I know. Yes, we could talk for days. It's fantastic. (laughs) So much in just a short period of time. Thank you for being on the show. Um, And uh, I think, you know, we should call it lean in because that's what we're going to do, isn't it? Just sort of accept the way it is now. It's different. That's life. It is. It is. I quite like it. It's the, you know, it's raining. Well, it's raining. What can we do about it? Grab an umbrella. (laughs) You are a delight. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Have a great afternoon.